Father, we thank you for the way you've already moved in this house. You are definitely alive and well. Nobody can convince me that you are not operating today and that your spirit is not operating today. I am fully persuaded that you are mighty and powerful and moving among us. So, Father, I thank you that you are. And I pray, Lord, that whatever you have intended for tonight, let it be accomplished. Don't let me stand in the way. Finish what you have started. Speak it through me. Lord, clearly take my mouth and my mind and bring it into alignment with your words and open our hearts today to receive your, uh, your word, exactly what you want imparted tonight. All for your glory in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're doing a series called The Healthy Church, and uh, we are on part one. This is lesson four of part one, and right now part one is comparing the, the church to a physical body, and I, I talked about how uh, the Bible shows us that the church is the body of Christ, and so we are taking characteristics and attributes of a physical body and we are comparing that to the church as the body of Christ and I I have thoroughly enjoyed it God has been speaking to me and I'm getting the revelations that are really um, coming alive inside of me and and I'm, I'm thankful for this opportunity to teach this series so we're going to uh, tonight pick up on attribute number six of a healthy body let me run through the first five quickly Number one, a healthy body takes in what is necessary for life and vitality. Number two, it discards what is unnecessary and harmful to life and vitality. Number three, it grows by the multiplication of healthy cells. You can go back and listen to all of these on YouTube. Um, number four, it functions. This is what I talked about last week. It functions according to instructions from the head. Now, I want to add a little bit to that um, to this particular point that a healthy body functions according to instructions from the head. I brought up that the brain tells our physical bodies, I'm sorry guys, I just can't. <laughs> it's just impossible um, to teach with all this baggage on. So, man. Um, so, we talked about how the brain, like my brain just told my body to take this jacket off. And it told my arms how to do it. Our brain tells our body every little move to make. Our body parts receive instruction from the brain. The brain is in the head. Christ is the head of the church. We are the body of Christ. And we should receive all of our instructions only from the head. Everybody say amen. Okay. So I taught that last week. And then I went home. And I felt like the Lord gave me some more. So I'm, I'm going to just read it so I don't chase a rabbit and not get to to do the other stuff. So I'm going to read through this really quick. A healthy body functions according to directions, messages, and instructions given and received by the brain, which is the head. The same is true for the body of Christ. We should function according to instructions from Christ, the head of his body of believers. One big reason, here's the new stuff, one big reason it's extremely important that we receive our instruction only from the head is because the enemy's biggest weapon is deception. 
the whole entire fall of mankind started and took place when Eve took instructions from another. When she took instructions from God, everything was great. But the moment she took instructions from another, which was Satan in the form of a serpent, the master deceiver, all of humanity has been suffering ever since. So it's very, very important that you only receive instructions from Christ and we get that from his word. And through the Holy Spirit, revelation of the Holy Spirit, which those always come into alignment. So according to Revelation 18, there will actually be people destroyed simply because they were deceived. Eternally destroyed simply because they were deceived. Deception is so dangerous because it's so believable. That's why deception is so dangerous because it's so believable. Now... Buckle up right here. We cannot afford to receive our instructions from anyone or anything other than Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life. So we all need to check ourselves to see how often we are receiving and taking instructions from something or someone other than Christ. Because as individuals, it's easy to receive instructions from our flesh. Get up in th at 3 and. 3 a.m. because your flesh told you to and that's not to get up to pray let me just be harmless a little bit I'm not going to get on all the addictions but that's just to get up and eat bluebell at 3 in the morning because your flesh told you to you know you don't want to be up at 3 o'clock in the morning praying but your body says get up and go listen I've done it I've gotten up at midnight and ate cereal I mean, I wasn't even hungry. So we need to check ourselves to see how often we're receiving instructions from our flesh, from our addiction, from our cravings, where our flesh tells us what to do instead of us telling our flesh what we're going to do. So the enemy uses a certain tool, according to the book of Revelation, that has worked very well for him. And the book of Revelation tells us it's going to work really well all the way until the very end. It's a tool called self-indulgence. And that is where you tell yourself, your flesh says, this is what I want. And so you say, okay, well, how do you want me to get it? Well, for some, it's go kill somebody. Okay, I will, because my, my indulgence is telling me what to do. So a 12-year-old kid can't dream of stealing from his grandparent, but that 12-year-old kid turns into a 15-year-old addict and they're stealing from their grandparents. So the Bible says, after these things in Revelation, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his glory. He cried out with a mighty voice saying, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a den for demons. Now this is, this is going to happen at the end. A haunt for every unclean spirit and every unclean bird and for every unclean and detestable beast. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the fury of her immorality. The kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality with her and the merchants of the earth grew rich off the power of her self-indulgence. That's in Revelation. That means sexual immorality, self-indulgence actually are going to play a big role in the end time. 
Then I heard another, another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you participate in her sins and receive her plagues. For her sins have piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Pay her back just as she has paid out, and give her back double for her deeds. In the cup she has mixed, mix a double dose for her, as she has exalted herself and indulged herself. So we have to ask ourselves, who all are we taking orders from? So many times we don't take orders from Christ. We don't take instructions from Christ because we don't want to be told what to do, but something else is telling us what to do, right? And the easiest thing to talk about is the appetite. So that's just a little addition to functions. We should be functioning according to the instructions from Christ and not according to whatever addict or whatever demon tells us to jump and we say how high. Sometimes we respond just out of anger, not because we want to, but because anger told us to. Okay, so we got to make sure we under, understand that we are only receiving instructions from Christ. Um, number five I touched on last week was a healthy physical body is coordinated, which means we all should be able to work together in coordination without hurting one another, slapping one another, biting one another. I, I'm not up here biting myself, and the body of Christ should not and does not devour itself. So if you're a part of a group that's devouring itself, just make, make sure you know that's not the body of Christ. You might want to go find another community. Because Christ is without spot or blemish. And so his body does not devour itself. So when you're tempted to talk about your brother or sister, ask yourself, uh-oh, how does Christ feel about me hurting his body? So all of that was a small recap. Number six, we're going to pick up tonight. Once again, I'm really excited about this. Um, and this is the sixth attribute of a healthy body. A healthy body is flexible. Everybody say flexible. flexible. So the sixth attribute of a healthy physical body is flexibility. Will you show me the slide up there? Is that Brother Bill? Yes. Okay, look. These guys are flexible. They're stretching. A healthy body is designed to bend without breaking, okay? Show us the, the one that talks about what flexibility is. It says flexibility is the ability of a joint or series of joints to move through an unrestricted, everybody say unrestricted, pain-free range of motion. Although flexibility varies widely from person to person, minimum ranges are necessary for maintaining joint and total body health, okay? So a healthy body is flexible and the healthy body of church, the healthy body of Christ must be flexible. So if I could have my little helper up here, come here, Lily Kate and Evie. We're usually friends. I hope she'll be my friend right now in front of everybody. You want to come to Envy? Come here. Yeah. This is my friend, Lily Kate. Wave at everybody. Can you wave at it? I may have to give her a few drinks to get her to stand up and, and, uh, in front of everybody. But Lily Kate is, you want to drink? Lil, Lily Kate is going to be an example of the body of Christ, okay? 
Let me read my notes real quick. So we've already established that the community of Christ followers, which is us, is referred to as the body of Christ, and Christ is the head, okay? So when Lily Kate is a representation of the church, when Lily Kate's brain, head, tells her arms that it's time for us to come together, the brain tells the arm, let's join together, but the head does not go to the arm. The head tells the arm, come to me. Okay? So we can't come to Christ without him drawing us. But what happens is he says, come to me. And so many times there's a standoff of, no, God, you come to me. Now, with my hand right here, my head is not designed to go to my hand. But my head is designed to tell and empower my hand to come to my head. Okay? So now... Lily Kate is going to give y'all the cutest, cutest example. So in a physical body, if the arms and the head are going to come together, it is the responsibility of the arms to go to the head, okay? So now we're going to talk about a word called conforming. So Lily Kate, okay, her belly showing. Lily Kate, I'm going to ask her. Her head and her arms need to conform. Her head cannot conform around her arms. But her arms are designed to conform around her head. Look at them and smile. Turn around and look. Her arms, so cute. Her head cannot go around her arms, but her arms are designed to conform around her head. Yay, Lily! Okay, I have a, a real, isn't that cute? Y'all put your hands over your head and see how much space you have. Yeah, now let's let Lily Kate do it. One more time. Yay, Lily! <laughs> Thank you. You can come get her. Uh-oh. You can come get her. I love you. Thank you for helping me. You want her? Yeah, I don't know how to do it. I don't know. So what I'm trying to say here is we have been given the role, you might have to help me, and responsibility of conforming to the head, not asking the head to conform to us. My head and Lily Kate's head, it's impossible for the head to conform around the arms. The arms are designed to do the conforming. The head is designed to do the instructing. Okay, I'm going somewhere with this. The head does not conform to the arms. Rather, the arms conform to the head. So the role of flexibility is placed on the body of Christ, not on Christ. Okay? The same is true, just like for the body, the actual physical body, so for the body of Christ. We are called to conform to his principles. 
We are called to conform to his mold. We should never expect him to conform to ours. Where I feel like we are today is I feel like there are many, many that want to claim to be in the body of Christ, but they're not healthy because they're not flexible. They are waiting on God to conform to them. So therefore, they're stuck in a life of torment, stuck in a life of misery, stuck in a life of curses because they are unwilling to conform to God's principles. They're waiting and having a power struggle with God, trying to get God to see that their way is better. So therefore, they're stuck. Because they're not willing to stop doing what they're doing, which is not working for them. Yet there's no forward movement because they can't seem to convince God that their way is the best way. So I have another example here, which is why I'm using this microphone. Okay. Here we go. So, in order for us to be healthy in the body of Christ, we have to bend. We have to be flexible because if we're not, then we break, okay? So if you're not willing to bend, then just know you will break. It's very important that we learn to conform around God's ways, okay? I really wanted to do this with that metal cup. Let me see that metal cup because that's definitely unbreakable. So we are called to conform to God's pattern, okay? Not expect, so ridiculous, I know, but for this, why would I even waste my time to get this to wrap around this, okay? But so many times what happens if it's an unhealthy group of followers, no flexibility with principles that are unchanging. So you can never break God's principles. Anybody want to come up and try to break this cup? You can never break God's principles. You can only break your life against them. Okay? Your life will break before the principles of God change. So it's much better if you don't want to break your life against unbreakable principles, then you need to be flexible and you need to conform to the pattern of God's principles, not to the pattern of this world, okay? Stiff-necked is a term that God used in the Old Testament several times. He saw, he said to Moses in Exodus 32 and 9, you don't have to go there. 
The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people. This was his people. I have seen this people, and indeed, it is a stiff-necked people. Also in Exodus, he says to Moses, say to the children of Israel, you are a stiff-necked people. I could come up into your midst and in one moment consume you, okay, because you're stiff-necked. But notice how much harder it would be to break this because it's flexible, okay? So where, where the breaking comes is when we are immovable, unwilling to change, unwilling to repent, unwilling to get on the same page as God and expecting him to get on the same page as us. And that's when the breaking has to happen. Stephen in the New Testament said this to the very people that stoned him. He said, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit. So if you want to know what stiff-necked means, here's a verse. Stephen tells us it means to be resistant. Everybody say resistant. And then this scripture tells us also what stiff-necked means. This is 2 Chronicles 30, verse 8, for the bill if you want to go there. It says, Now do not be stiff-necked as your fathers were, but yield yourselves to the Lord. What is more yielding? Okay? Does this represent yielding yourself to the Lord? And we're just making a silly point again. This is yielding, okay? When you wrap yourself and you build your life around his pattern instead of expecting him to change the course and the principles that are eternal for your life. So now do not be stiff-necked as your father's word, but yield yourselves to the Lord. So these two scriptures... What Stephen said in Acts chapter 7 and then what the Lord said in 2 Chronicles 30. Stiff-necked means this, to be resistant and unyielding to God. Resistant and unyielding to God. Remember, we're talking about flexibility. Let's see how Jesus said it in Matthew 13, 24 through 30. If you'll put the, let's, let's actually look at this um, passage first brother bill matthew 13 24 through 30 another parable jesus put forth to them saying the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field but while men slept his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat everybody say wheat tares and went his way but when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop then the tares also appeared so the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us to go and gather them up? But he said, No. Lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. 
but gather the wheat into my barn. So Jesus was speaking to people here that actually they grew wheat. So I was trying to find an example, and the best way I could, the best example I could do for our um, technological generation is they understood growing wheat about like a teenager understands a smartphone. They understand it very well. So when he's talking about tares and wheat, they have a mental picture in their minds that we don't have. Do you mind putting the picture of wheat up there, uh, Brother Bill? Let, I think there's also a picture. That's a video, and we will need um, audio for that in just a minute. You never got a picture? Okay. I'm sorry. I, I should have made sure that went through. So I'll just have to explain it to you. Tares and wheat look the same when they're young and growing up. But once they reach full maturity, there is a difference, okay? Here's the difference. Wheat bow, tares stand straight up, okay? Why don't you play that video, Brother Bill? It, it'll play a couple times. We'll let Kurt get the audio on. Tares and wheat growing up One has fruit and one doesn't. The wheat also bows down in humility, as you can see here. But the tares stand up, tall and powerful. Let it, think about, let it play again. When thinking about the wheat and the tares parable, I read once that when you see the tares and the wheat growing up together, it's only at the end that you can recognize the difference. One has fruit and one doesn't. The wheat also bows down in humility, as you can see here. All right, so wheat bears fruit, and bow, actually the fruit, the wheat, the growing there causes it to bow down, and the tares are fruitless and stiff, okay? So what is God teaching us here? He is teaching us flexibility, bowing, humility versus stiff-necked, prideful, resistant. Today I felt like the Lord just led me, and I didn't even know how this was going to work out. I felt like he led me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, the, the scripture of blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, came to my mind. And so, oh, there you go. Thank you, Lex. So see the difference? The wheat is bowed over. The tares stand tall. The wheat is flexible. The tares are not. Okay? So I went to Matthew 5 and 3, and, of course, I saw where Jesus was teaching what we would call the Beatitudes. And the very first one that he says is, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So I thought, you know what? I, I, I felt like that went along with the lesson, but I didn't really know if everybody else would feel like that went along with the lesson. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, how about you look up what poor means? So I went to Strong's Concordance and I looked up poor. Blessed are the poor. And I looked up the Greek word poor. Had no idea what that means is that Greek word poor means to crouch. Jaren, would you come, please? 
to crouch. Blessed are those who take a crouched position in their innermost being is what he's saying. What's your spirit? How are you poor in spirit? Nobody can touch your spirit, but your spirit is the breath of God that breathed life into you. Your spirit is not who everybody thinks you are. It's who you really are. Your spirit is not what you can make everybody think you are. Your spirit is actually who you are. So if your spirit is hateful, it doesn't matter how beautiful your smile is tattooed on your face, you're hateful. Okay? So what he's saying is blessed are those that are crouching in a humble bowing in the innermost part of their being. That's who I'm going to give heaven to. So, Jaron, why don't you get, is your shirt long enough? Why don't you just get in a crouched position? Yep. And go onto your knees so it won't hurt you too long. Go all, go all the way down like this. I don't. It's okay. We're going to do something. Just right now, I'm not asking you to go through it. Don't worry. <laughs> I really just want you to be in a crouched position. Okay. So, for him... To get in a crouched position, can we do it slowly without hurting you? Stand up and let's, okay? Slowly go to a crouched position, and I want you to see all the flexibility that's required, okay? The knees have to be willing to bend. The back has to be willing to bend. The waist has to be willing to bend. Ultimately, the shoulders and the head will have to be willing to bend. You're pretty flexible. How far down can you go? Oh, yeah. Look at that, baby. Okay, you get a stiff person, you get a stiff person, and they can't. Or a fat person, my mom says. I'm not. You get a stiff person, okay? So what is Jesus? We got to see the real picture. Can you put the wheat and the tares back up? The picture of the wheat and the tares? Now, knowing that Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, and he's saying, blessed are the crouched down Deep inside, that's, that's how and who they really are. Which of these is that? Okay, so then the Lord told me, I won't ask Jaron to do it, but thank you. I wish uh, Mercy would actually have the guts to help me, but I don't think she will. I think we'll do it. I think we'll be able to do it okay. Thank you, Jaron. Crouch is this. A position where the knees are bent and the upper body is brought forward and down. So Jesus is saying, blessed are those who are bowed to me in their innermost being rather than expecting me to bow to them. That's who I'm going to give the kingdom of heaven to. The core of who they are conforms to my ways. Matthew 19 and 23 Jesus says this, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Okay, so the eye of a needle in the cities back then was like a small entry point into the city. And the camel had to get down 
bow down, offload its baggage, and pretty much crawl its way through. The kingdom of God, if you want to stand proud and stand tall, you may see evidence of the kingdom of God, but you'll never enter it. In this posture, you will never enter the kingdom. Mercy, you want to come help me? You want to go through this tunnel? You can if you want. Come on, give her a hand. Yeah. Come on, Mercy Reigns. So you may see all kinds of others passing you up and going through and, and experiencing. Go right on through there, baby girl. Go right on through the kingdom of God like a little child. Unless you become like a little child, you shall not enter the kingdom. Give me five, girlfriend. You want to do it one more time? You can do it one more time if you want. The Bible says unless you become like a little child. I didn't know Mary was. You want to come do it, Mary? Come on if you want to. Unless you become like a little child, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven say right here mercy if you will why don't you just start going into it and then just stay right there okay look at the difference in my posture and mercy's posture okay so some of you some of us are missing out on the kingdom of god simply because we're not willing to change our heart posture Simply because we're not willing to change our soul posture. Simply because we're not willing to be flexible and change according to the ways of God instead of expecting God to change according to our ways. Give me five, girlfriend. You're awesome. Give her a hand. You can go sit down. Thank you, baby. She was willing to get in whatever posture it took to experience that. How many times do we come to God and say, if you would just, then I would. God, if you will, then I will. It's so conditional. It's so conditional. I want freedom, but I don't want to let go of. I want the blessings, but I don't want to let go of. God, I just need you to bless what I'm cursing. That's going to be a standstill for eternity. All right, so let's look at words that go along with flexibility, obedience, repentance, conformity, adaptability, bowing, submission, humility, trust, reliance, yielding, and sacrifice. All of those go along with flexibility. Now I'm going to compare flexibility to stiff-necked, okay? The first word I'm going to say is with flexibility, which is what we must be as the body of Christ, and the other is stiff-necked, which is a healthy un, and an and unhealthy body. Obedience, disobedience. Repentance, indifference. Conformity, rebellion. Adaptable, Rigid. Bow. Rise. Submission. Defiance. Humility. Pride. Trust. 
distrust. I just don't trust that God's way is best. I just think I, you would never admit it, but you just think your way is best. Reliance, independence, yielding, resistant, sacrifice, or refusal. So I'm going to end here. I've got 10 minutes with things that cause stiffness. Injury, number one. Injury causes stiffness. Past trauma, past church hurt, past dad hurt, mom hurt, family hurt. Lex, if I could have you come for just a second, and then you can just stay up here, and Bryce can come whenever he can. Come here, Lex, if you will. So how many... Imagine if God's church, if the body of Christ was like this, okay? It would be completely unhealthy. And, and some claim to be the body of Christ and they're like this, okay? So past hurt and injury causes stiffness. Injury in a muscle can cause stiffness in that muscle. Injury in a heart can cause stiffness. Come hug me. And the love of Jesus Christ has been trying to wrap you up. And the love of a church family has been trying to wrap you up. Come do it again. But you've got past pain. If I'm going to receive her love, I've got to bend. I've got to open up, okay? So we cannot be a church that is unwilling to be moved, unwilling to love, unwilling to step out in faith, unwilling to try, unwilling to change. And we just carry around the excuses of, well, I've been hurt in a church before. I've been hurt by a spouse before. I've been hurt. And so I, I have a good enough excuse not to love. Past trauma in a muscle causes that muscle to stiffen up. And past trauma in your life can cause you to stiffen up. Jeremy Dan had surgery this week. And the doctor told him he has got to flex his foot. He has got to flex it. And the doctor said, if you don't flex it, I will do it. And it's going to hurt. You're going to hate me. Why? Because scar tissue is constantly growing, building, and stiffening. And if you don't let the love of Jesus Christ bend you and mold you and move you. There is scar tissue from your past trauma that's trying to get you stiff. Imagine what a congregation full of this would do for the world. I can tell you, you can, you can look at the world right now and it's been congregation after congregation after congregation of unloving, judgmental, unflexible, hateful people and look what it's turned the world into. Not this body. Come on, say it. Not this body. How many of you refuse to be unhealthy spiritually? I refuse. Let me keep going. Infection. Meningitis is an infection that causes a stiff neck. And this is what the Lord told me. Here are some infections that want to creep into Christ's body, causing stiff necks. Religion that resists the working of the Holy Spirit. 
Religion, the spirit of religion resists the working of the Holy Spirit, and it wants to get into a church body and infect it and make everybody stiff. And they call it reverence, but it's really just stiffness. Legalism is an infection that brings stiffness. It takes the freedom Christ died to give us and replaces it with chains of tradition and men's doctrine. A judgmental, critical spirit wants to move in like an infection into a body and remove all the mercy from a congregation. If you didn't have mercy, I couldn't be pastoring you today. Only by the grace of God are we, are we celebrating 26 years today. Pride is an infection that wants to stiffen. Rebellion against authority wants to stiffen. Discomfort with intimacy with God is an infection that causes people to resist a move of God outside of what they can control. So when the Holy Spirit comes in, the Holy Spirit has to be in charge. But somebody that's, dis that's uncomfortable with intimacy, they're stiff. And so what do they do? They, they push out the Holy Spirit. Accusation is an infection that brings stiffness in the body of Christ. Another thing, the third thing that brings stiffness in a physical body is bites or stings. When the enemy of unbelief and doubt bites you, you'll stiffen up. And you won't believe and you won't be flexible and you'll isolate and nobody will be able to reach you because you've been bitten by unbelief. Stress causes the physical body to stiffen up. And heavy loads that are too heavy for you spiritually will cause you to become stiff. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He also says, Submit yourself to God. Be clothed with humility. Because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God rather than challenging the mighty hand of God. Inactivity is another thing that can cause stiffness. If you don't exercise, please follow me here because this could go over your head if you don't, if you don't really engage your listening here if we don't exercise regularly the command of taking up our cross then we'll get so used to living a life of comfort that we won't be able to handle tough situations Dave you can come I'm sure Bryce would love for you to relieve him if you don't exercise regularly sacrifice flexibility, conforming to God's commands, you'll get so used to living a life of comfort and you'll get stiff. And then you can't handle anything. If it's 85 degrees outside, you're dying because you're so comfortable with 70. And if it's 60, you're dying because you haven't exercised resilience. Sometimes you just need to do something that you don't want to do. 
Sometimes you just need to let somebody else go to the the plate of food first. Somebody you sometimes you just need to let somebody else walk through the door first. So you've got to exercise your flexibility. You've got to exercise your faith. You've got to exercise contentment in trying times. You need to exercise commitment in the valley. I heard a scientist say, Dave shared this with me. I heard a scientist say that the quickest route to death is to seek constant comfort. They call it comfort food for a reason. Constant comfort is the quickest route to death. Sleep as long as you want to sleep. You don't ever, you don't ever become active because it's uncomfortable. You stay inside because it's uncomfortable. Outside, your immune system goes down. You eat everything you want to eat. You die at 60. Misalignment is another thing that causes stiffness. Spine misalignment can cause stiffness in the neck. And being out of alignment with the principles of God and unwillingness to come into alignment causes immovability and stiffness in your spiritual walk with God. And the very last thing, thank you, God, I got one minute left. The last thing that causes stiffness is four hours after you die. It's called rigor mortis. And you become immovable and stiff. If you are unable to be moved by the presence of God, that's a sign of spiritual death. I want every eye, every, every head bowed, please. I just want to ask you, how long have you been battling you and God getting on the same page? And how long are you willing to keep living with less than what God has for you out of your own stubbornness and your own unwillingness to conform to his principles. How many times is your heart going to have to be broken because your heart would not conform to his principles? How many times are you, is your life going to have to go through a breaking because you refuse to conform? The healthy body is flexible and the body of Christ is flexible Christ is not the one that's designed to be flexible he has designed us to conform to him stand to your feet if you will Father I ask right now that a hunger would come upon us so that we would be so hungry for what you have to give us, that we would wrap our minds around your truth. We would conform our hearts to your desire. Help us to hate what you hate because it's miserable loving what you hate. And help us to love what you love because it's, it's miserable hating what you love. I don't hate the moving of the Spirit because you are the Spirit. So therefore, I want to love the, mu the moving of your Spirit. Move me. In Jesus' name, we ask, Father, that whatever you have to do inside of our lives, make us healthy. Convict us. Bring us to a place of repentance. Speak to us when we're rebellious and we're prideful. And God, if we've become stiff, 
Let your anointing flow through us and let it cause us to begin to mend, uh, to bend and move in ways that we have not bent and been moved in a long time. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those that crouch themselves in, in humble obedience to the principles of God. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. You're free to go. You're free to stay. All I ask is that if you leave, that you not visit in here.